Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. Uh, before we start, I just want to thank our sponsor, Scout to Hunt. It's the completely free offline GPS mapping app. Um, so before we start to this week, I just want to um, find a couple ways to maybe help the podcast grow a little bit and to reach to, out to people who haven't listened yet. So if you listeners will uh, screenshot and you listening to the podcast or the podcast on your phone and share it to your Instagram story and tag us or leave a five-star review on whatever form you're listening to the podcast on. Um, I'll choose a couple just random people at the end of the week and send them some uh, Dirty Giants hats. Anyways, I appreciate everyone who's listened and for the support. I'm really excited about this episode. I talked with uh, Skylar Richards. And he has definitely helped kill and himself has killed just some giant bucks. I feel like he really knows what he's talking about. We're talking about some early season scouting techniques and then some of the hunts he's been on. So let's get started. All right, guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. I'm really excited about this guest. He's helped um, kill, and he himself has killed a lot of just giant bucks. It's uh, Skylar Richards. So we'll kind of get into it. We're going to have him give us a little introduction of how he got into Color Country Outfitters. Um, It's an outfitting business that he guides for. Um, And then maybe a little bit about his personal hunts and stuff as well. Hey man, how's it going? Happy, uh, excited to be on here with you. Chat a little bit, so. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to try and pick your brain a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we'll have some fun for sure. So yeah, yeah so what what kind of got you into that? So it's kind of crazy, you know. I remember being a kid watching um I'm trying to think who's I remember watching this hunting video and now that I'm trying to think of it I can't even remember it I think it was Christmas in arms I'm not 100% sure but uh seeing the heat and ranch on tv for the first time as a kid I was just like man that place is incredible I need to go there someday you know and then anyways long story short my dad ended up getting a Pontagon tag and um we hunted through them because we'd never been on the unit before i just graduated high school i didn't really know much at the point at that time you know and we got down there and just loved all the guys and uh had a great time killed a nice buck saw some beautiful country and at that point i'm not sure if they hired me just because they couldn't get me to leave or because they liked me or why but i just basically um just kept going back year after year and the rest is history. I think this is about nine years now starting this year. I think it'll be my eighth or ninth year. I have a hard time remembering for sure, but been there for a while and it's just an incredible place. The people that I get to hunt with and guide with are amazing and great friends and great people. And the deer we get to chase are incredible and just, one of the best places in the world, if you ask me, for chasing big mule deer. Pretty awesome. Yeah, so that first year, is that when you guys killed Bootstrap, that your giant buck, you and your dad? 
No, that was, oh, I don't even know. That had to have been at least four or five years into it, I would think. Oh, okay. Yeah, first year I killed the uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that was still (laughs) the biggest buck I've ever seen, so. What, 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 wasn't he like, I can't remember exactly, but I just remember he was just unreal. Yeah, so he was, he officially scored, when we, when we scored him after we killed him, we got him just, just barely over 260, but then when he, uh, after the drying period, he officially scored, I believe, don't quote me on this, but it was 254 and six eighths or something like that. So just an Jeez. unreal bucket. And then you guys yeah. had pictures. You guys had pictures of him um, like the year before, and he was like maybe like a 200 inch deer, right? And then he just blew up. Yeah. Or am I, so the year am before, I right? No, you're you're exactly right. The year before he was a perfect typical, and he was probably high 190s to 200. Uh, probably real close to 200 as a typical, and but when he came back the next year, he just blew up. But he kept the one side a typical, his right side and his left side. He must have damaged his pedicle during the growth or something, because it was all twisted and gnarly and cheaters everywhere. So he kind of got the best of both worlds with him. But like perfect typical on the right, crazy non-typical on the left. But like. <laughs> Just a, an example of how different his antlers were from side to side. The base on his regular antler that wasn't injured was, I believe, five and seven eighths. So a big base, but not insane. And his non-typical side that he hurt was eight inches. So <laughs> it was like a tree trunk coming out of his head. It's crazy. Jeez, that's insane. Yeah. So that. So you and you and Nicole, your wife, um, are doing a YouTube channel. I've been keeping up with it. You guys put out some really good content. Um, how's how's that been going for you? Man, it's been it's been going awesome. We've really had a lot of fun doing it. We we started the channel probably three years ago, and we kind of just started it just to put our hunts out there and just to have them for ourselves, you know, and to look back on. And I've always, I grew up filming animals and I just have always loved, you know, that aspect of things. But anyways, we kind of just started it slow and like, well, let's see where this goes. And then last year we only posted like five or six videos. And then this, this year, oh, sorry, that was two years ago. And then last year we decided that we were going to really take it up a level and, yeah, we've been posting a ton of videos. I think a lot of great content, you know, filming all our hunts that we were doing anyways, and we're just really excited to see um, where that takes us and see if we can get it to grow, and we just really love doing it. It's a lot of fun. So Yeah, yeah. you guys have some awesome videos. Like your, your <laughs> archery hunt, that was fun to watch, and then your Ibex hunt, and then your elk hunt too, like, those are you guys do really good at that. They're really entertaining. So if the listeners haven't um, haven't seen that. You should definitely go check check it out. It's uh, isn't it Skynick? 
hunting, yep. right, on YouTube. Yep, yeah. Skynet hunting on yeah, Skynet hunting on YouTube, and yeah, man, we just we try to keep it 100% real. You know, we're not the type that reenact things and stuff like that, which is fine if people do, but we just try to keep it as real as possible and, you know, capture it the best we can in the moment. So we have a lot of fun. We're still learning, you know. I feel like we're still improving. You know, we go back and watch some of our first episodes, and they're still good, but you can definitely see improvement there. But we have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, well, they're fun to watch. I I get excited every time you guys put put a new video out. So I kind of wanted to... I kind of wanted to go into summer scouting. Um, you guys are constantly finding big bucks and helping put down big bucks, putting big bucks down yourself. Um, so there's a couple of questions I wanted to start with. So okay. once you, so let's say you see a buck for the first time. Um, what, what do you, what's kind of like the process there? So what you go to a new area you find a big buck. Um, are you coming back to see if he's there again? Pretty, pretty freak. Like, let's say you, it's July, and you find uh-huh. a big buck early July. Are you kind of just keeping them in your back pocket and trying to find as many big bucks as possible in July, and then maybe go and check on them in August more frequently? Or how do you kind of handle that? Um, yes and no. You know, like. If we find a good buck, we'll take in early July or whatever. Um, we'll take note of it and obviously remember where he is and and keep looking for other deer, unless he's just like a, a mega giant or something, you know. <laughs> but yeah, we'll keep looking uh-huh. for other bucks. But we'll, I'd say we still go back, you know, once a week or so, check on him, see if we can lay eyes on him again and um, things like that. So we kind of keep him in our back pocket, don't, you know. But probably once a week, maybe, you know, once every 10 days we'll go check on him. Unless he's really, really big, then we'll just buckle down on him and, and focus 100% on that specific deer <clears throat> if he's big enough. So so we, let's say you find him that, that first time and then you're not able to turn him up another, like, two or three, maybe four trips. Wow, what, like, do you keep looking in that particular spot or maybe, like, is it a fluke that you saw him there or is there something you do with that? Yeah, so what we'll do there is, I mean, we've we've had deer before where we see them in a spot and we've never seen them there again and we've gotten them on camera, you know, further away, a few miles away and stuff. So what we'll do is, like, We'll keep going back until we feel like we've seen every, you know, we try to go back on on good days when the movement's good and stuff like that, but we feel like we've seen most of the deer in the area, then we'll start to kind of branch out and, you know, in each direction and be like, all right, we know this canyon's over here, let's go glass it a few times and vice versa, you know, just kind of eliminate country between where you saw him and where you think he might be and just kind of process of elimination you know just keep just go glass all those areas until hopefully you turn them back up set cameras on water um, things like that see if you can kind of pin him down that way if you're not seeing him where you originally found him just kind of start to branch out in good looking country and 
hopefully get lucky because it definitely takes some luck, but it takes a lot of hard work to 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 relocate them sometimes. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So just kind of being consistent and maybe trying out other areas near where you saw them that he could yep. move into. Yeah, so, deer, I mean, they like to, most deer, not all deer, most deer have a home, what we call like a home area, you know, an area they don't want to leave. And some deer are so strict and tight with that pattern that it may only be, you know, a thousand yard section that that deer, you'll see them in consistently. And other times we have deer that like to wander and they'll just kind of make loops throughout the unit it seems like you'll see them in the same spot every few days because they're just kind of off doing their thing they don't really they don't hold as tight as some deer so each deer is different you know you just kind of gotta you need to just it changes with every deer you know because yes they're all deer but a lot of them act different than other deer as i'm sure you know so yeah that makes sense they can all have their own personality and patterns. So speaking about um, patterns, so when you're watching a deer, what are like um, particular things you look for to pattern them? Like, um, I guess like what, um, what, what patterns are you looking for? Yeah, so basically trying to find out where they're feeding the most consistently, where they come out before dark and feed or at first light. That's the biggest thing we're looking for, but then also looking for where they head back into cover, you know, in case you ever need to ambush them or intercept them on their way back to where they bed consistently. We look for that. We look for, on public land, you get the luxury a lot. If people bump them, you know, you kind of get to watch where their escape routes are and try to figure out where they go under pressure and kind of just keep note of that. Um, It's hard to keep it all in in track but sometimes we'll even write it down you know but yeah so we basically just try to find where these deer feed consistently um the way they go in and out of the cover and the way they avoid pressure and also where they drink things like that which some units is easy for that where there's water holes and and troughs and stuff other units you have streams and stuff like that so it's a lot harder to pin down where they're actually drinking because they just have so many options, but that's kind of the main things we're looking for, main patterns. Okay. So so you mentioned that, um, like, you look for where they go when they get bumped. Um, are you, yeah. would you bump a deer on purpose to try to find out that information, or? Um, we have not done that. Usually there's enough, I mean, and it depends, like, on the heat and ranch or color country outfitters where I guide, we don't really need to um, necessarily know that as much because we've all guided there so long. We kind of know that, okay, if you bump these deer here, they tend to go to this canyon or they tend to do this. So you don't actually have to bump those deer because you don't really have to deal with other hunting pressure that you don't know about, right? But on public land... Uh Um, we're not intentionally bumping deer ever, but a lot of the times we'll be out glassing and somebody will walk through a canyon to go check their camera or walk down a ridge or just out and about, you know, so we get to see, we've had many times where we've, we've seen them blow out the deer we were watching. So 
but we don't ever intentionally do it, no. Okay. So, um, so when when a deer does get bumped, do you tend that do you see that they tend to take mostly the same path? Most of the time, they do. Yeah. So yeah. most of the time, they just like naturally they want to they want to be in and out of cover as fast as possible, and that's the usually the trail they use anyways. But sometimes if they get bumped oh. in certain directions, they'll use different trails. You know, so. If the danger is coming from and then, the direction they already came, but yeah. So let's say you—it's probably different for every deer, but like, how often when a deer gets bumped, is it coming back? I guess we're talking more like August, September, but are you seeing that they come back in, into their pattern pretty often once they get bumped? Um. Yes. Yes and no. I mean, I, I believe they will come back, but some deer, I believe they all come back if they get the chance to, but some take a lot longer than others, you know, and some will be back the next morning almost every single time. Well, others, you won't see them for a week or seven, eight, nine, ten days before they finally show back up, you know, so it depends on the deer, but... Um, like that, the one of my big muzzleloader bucks that I killed. Um, we only saw him, and Nicole gets to hunt a lot while I'm guiding. You know, she goes and hunts the archery hunt herself, and we were looking for this specific deer, and I think she probably hunted 25 days, morning and night, and only laid eyes on this deer. I think it was four or five times throughout the whole hunt, whereas in the summer we would see him almost every day. So he definitely reacted to the pressure in a negative way for us where he wouldn't come back very often, but he did still come back. So so let's, let's, is that the your skyscraper buck that you're yeah. talking about? Yeah. Is that cool? Yeah. Tell us that story real quick, because that, that's a cool deer. So they <laughs> yeah. they actually hunted them on the archery. I didn't yep. know that. Yep, so we um, we found him in the summer. He was running with another big buck uh, that got away from us, but we we had, he was our number two target buck. And um, Anyways, yeah, we hunted him. We saw him all summer off and on, you know, almost every time we'd go look for him. And in the same spot, and then archery season rolled around, and it was just a zoo, like, you know, people everywhere. And he just disappeared on us. And then a few times uh, midweek throughout the hunt, he'd show back up, and Nicole put a stock on him or something, and then he'd end up getting blown out again. And um, I was guiding a muzzleloader hunt, um, and my hunter killed, and I actually got, like, the last four days of the Utah hunt to hunt for myself. So me and Nicole headed out to our glassing point, and right where we saw him all summer, there he was feeding, you know, right as light broke. He was just out in the wide open just feeding like we'd seen him all summer. Oh, wow. So, yeah, right back where we first saw him, like, within 30 yards of where we first saw him. <laughs> It was crazy. But, um, yeah, so I 
I got all my stuff together and ran down the hill and um, made the mistake of leaving all my layers on because it's cold in the morning, you know. By the time I got laid down to shoot him, uh, I couldn't see through my scope because all the heat coming out, you know, fogging up the scope. I couldn't see through my binoculars. And long story short, he walked up over the top where I thought was out of my life for good, you know. But luckily we knew where he was we had an idea of where he was going to be going and Nicole was still up on the point glassing for me. Um, so I shed a few layers and, and ran up over the hill and, and caught him right before he got to the thick timber and got him killed. So it was pretty crazy. It was wild, but it was fun. But a few mistakes <laughs> almost stopped from that much for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. He's just a giant buck too, especially for, your tag you had, so that's cool. Yeah. You got the last four days and you made it happen. Yeah, got lucky for sure. Jeez. So, so I have a couple more questions about um, scouting too. Um, uh huh. So how how often are you checking cameras? I guess it probably depends on the spot, but. Um, are you trying to check them more midday, probably when there's less movement or? Yeah, we do. We try to, I don't know how many times, I mean, we probably check them every seven, 10 days, something like that, you know, once a week. Um, but we do try to go midday just where your chances of, of scaring the deer are, are less, you know? Try to just sneak in there as quiet as possible, um, swap cards and take off and, and sneak out. So definitely if you can, you know, you want to disturb the area as little as possible while you're going in there. And, yeah, midday is usually the best time to do that. Okay. That makes sense. Um so let's kind of switch gears just a little bit. Um, I wanted to talk about the Ponsagon hunts. Um, mm-hmm. How do you feel like the feed is looking so far for um, this year, 2020? No, so far I think it's really good. It is, it is starting to dry up just a little bit. I would love to see some, some rain hit us pretty soon, but I think it'll be another good year. I, we had a good enough winter and spring that. I don't think it'll be, like, I think it'll be a good year and maybe a great year. We'll just have to see. But so far, things are looking good. Um, so, fingers crossed it stays that way. We don't have another 2018 on our hands. <laughs> I don't think there's any chance of that. So. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, I'm feeling good about it. I think a lot of big deer are going to get killed this year. So. So you think, because last year it seemed like big deer were just dying left and right. There's still a little yep. bit of holdover. You think there'll still be some big bucks hitting the ground? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we we keep pretty good track of the deer that we have on our place, you know, when we're guiding up there. And let's just say that there was a lot of big deer that we didn't kill, and that should be back, you know, as long as they didn't get killed by a lion or hit by a car or something crazy like that. There should be 
there should be a lot of really really good deer to chase so I think a lot yeah. of the reason why you know it seemed like so many were getting killed last year too is because I think a lot of big deer got passed up in 2018 because that drought really hurt us you know like we had so many deer that we recognized from 2017 and when they came back in 2018 they were just big two points or missing 30 inches that they had the year before and and things like that and they you know they just had a good water year and then got back to their full potential you know so i think a lot of deer survived in 18 for that reason at least on these high point units where people are really picky um they let a lot of deer walk just because they weren't or what they they just weren't that big they just didn't use the energy they got from feed into their antlers because the drought was so bad you know so that makes a lot of sense that's some good insight so and so a lot of those bucks in 2018 got passed that otherwise would have killed got killed because of the drought yeah so that, I mean, that, my, that definitely probably helped yeah my hunter killed one killed a buck that we recognized that the year before had probably 15 16 inches of hook cheaters and cheaters you know and when we killed it, it was just, a, just a typical just an old heavy typical i mean he was still a nice buck but nothing like what he was the year before so it's pretty crazy <laughs> oh, how much yeah that so was uh was bootstrap the deer that you saw put on the most antler from year to year like we talked about he was a 200 inch typical more or less and then he was was around 260 so he put on six inches of antler is that is that pretty is that have you ever seen anything like that no that is definitely by far the most that i've ever seen i mean it it happens occasionally but that's that's a lot for a deer to put on you know that's the most i've seen seen deer we've seen deer blow up before you know 20 30 even 40 inches in a year but 60 inches is pretty unheard of (laughs) that's pretty absurd (laughs) yeah would you say like for a mature buck on a on a good um a good moisture year for a mature buck is there an average maybe that they they put on so if you're seeing a couple 180 bucks um would you say like from like five to six years old on a good moisture year they maybe put on 10 20 inches or does it just completely depend on the buck yeah i mean yes and no i mean genetics play a huge role in it we have bucks that we're always like oh next year he's going to be a giant you know and it's and he comes back exactly the same maybe an inch or two heavier and you know overall like four or five inches bigger at best and some come back exactly the same and others just blow up so i think it mostly depends on genetics you know like but a lot of the Uh i don't know it's hard it's hard to predict for sure for the most part most of the deer in this area they they will put on some inches from year to year but and i would say 10 10 15 is probably a decent average um 
obviously sometimes a lot more and sometimes less, but that's probably a pretty good average. But we've had deer, like I said, that you're always just hopeful, like, oh, he's going to be so big this year, and they just kind of stay the same for whatever reason. But, yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. So, kind of two answers to so. that one there. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that's good. Um, so let's go back to the Ponsagant hunt. So let's say you draw um, a Ponsagant archery tag. What would, like, be reasonable expectations for that hunt as far as, like, trophy potential? And I guess, like, you're, pro- you're probably going to see a lot of deer. Um, like, I guess, like, what's just an overview of, of that hunt in particular? Yeah, I mean, it all depends on how picky you are as a hunter, you know, because, like, you've been around here. We're pretty spoiled with the amount of big deer that we get to see. You get people that haven't been around it, and they're not used to seeing 180-inch type bucks, which are big deer off the side of the road, and sometimes they just, you know, it's one of the biggest bucks they've ever seen, so they get out and kill it. But if you're... And depending on the year, like last year, you know, you could, there was so many big deer. I mean, if I personally had the tag last year, I probably would have helped something over 200 for sure. But it all, it depends year to year. And, and it kind of takes being around big deer a lot yourself. Because sometimes, like I said, people haven't seen many deer that size get down here, it's it's kind of overwhelming there's so many nice bucks you know so it's just a matter of whether or not you're patient enough or or if the first 180 buck you see is going to make your dreams come true which is fine if that's that's what you want you know but realistically if you put in the time and and the effort and you have the patience to pass up those those other deer i mean 200 inches i think but geez that's crazy yeah it's yeah. definitely that archery hunt i i honestly think it's my favorite hunt on the pond because i think um you, you can get rewarded for the time that you put in on that because yeah for sure you can somewhat scout yeah. And, yeah for sure if you put in your time scouting but it is you know it can be there's a lot of competition out there a lot of other outfitters and guides running around and other hunters so Sometimes you'll you'll pick your favorite buck and he'll have about five or six guys chasing him. So you kind of just gotta pick your battles, I guess. Move on to the next or keep trying. You know, so that is one downfall to it. It's become very popular and and very overcrowded for sure as far as as that goes, which can make it tough. But there's there's plenty of big deer for everybody to chase. Yeah, that that makes it difficult too because. A lot of the, your competition on on the Pontagon, like you're hunting against really good hunters. Um, yeah. How do sure. you guys kind of deal with that? Like, is there are, we, are there certain things you do, or are you mostly away from the other hunters? Um, a lot of the stuff we hunt is away from other hunters for that reason. You know, we have clients that want to come in and have a low pressure style hunt. You know, so we do hunt the right. public land. And if we if we have a buck that we want to hunt on public land, we just we just put our heads down and hunt them like everybody else. But a lot 
a decent amount of our our Ponsagot hunts we do on private leases, but oh, so okay. it goes both ways, you know. So we hunt them on private and public, but obviously on private they don't have to deal with the the competition. Yeah, <laughs> yep, kind of happened to ourselves, so which makes it nice. So what what about the muzzleloader hunt? Do they usually start to migrate by then, or is that what what kind um, of hunt is that? Yeah, that's probably my second favorite hunt on the Pontagon, personally. Um, some of the deer will already have migrated, and but most of them will still be there. Um, for the most part, towards the end of the hunt, they'll start to leave, but it's kind of crazy that the whole migration just depends on the deer too. It could be, it can be 85 degrees outside. And if it's that day, that deer typically leaves, you know, he'll just leave. So it's not, not really weather dependent down here. They just leave when they're, when they want to leave. And, but for the most part, we've had bucks leave as early as, you know, September 1st and have them get killed clear down South of us. So, but for the most part, I'd say the real heavy migration starts about 5th of October, you know, that first week of October. Um, okay. When they start so heavy. But there are deer that will leave early during that muzzleloader hunt every year. You know, every year there's some big bucks that get killed down on the winter range on that muzzleloader hunt. So, so on that muzzleloader hunt, if, if you're hunting hard and you're passing bucks, you like you could hold out for a 200 inch deer or is that maybe not quite as likely with the migration kind of going halfway through that yeah i mean it just depends there's been years where that muzzleloader hunt lines up with a bad moon and it's just a really hot weather and it can be really tough but i do think the chance is still there the thing i like the most about it is that the majority of the deer that you scout in the summertime will still be there if they weren't killed on the archery hunt, you know, whereas on the rifle hunt, when they migrate, unless they're a resident deer down there, you don't really have the luxury of scouting them, you know. You just kind of have to grind it out and hope to find a big buck somewhere. So that's what I like about yeah. the lower hunt. It's, I do feel if you're, you're patient, you'll you'll get the buck you want. Not necessarily doesn't have to be, you know, 200 or maybe just because they're more patternable for the most part that time of year. So let's, let's skip to the rifle now. They're pretty much in full migration or mm -hmm. even off to the winter range. How do you, how do you guys kind of hunt that? Because I feel like that's, you can't necessarily hunt a particular deer on that hunt. Or am I wrong? Um, no, it's tough. I mean, because you never know, like, if a big deer walks by you, you never know, okay, is it going to be here tomorrow or is it going to be 20 miles from here? You know, so basically, <laughs> yeah. we just, we cover a lot of country in the trucks and on glass, with our glass, you know, we'll, we'll get up and glass all morning, big sage flats or canyons where the deer what we usually do is we like to go to places where we know deer are typically going to move into and stay 
and it's crazy because you'll hunt it day after day and you'll just notice more deer and more deer and different bucks and so it's kind of just a process of elimination at that point and just hoping and a lot of luck is involved unless you've been watching a resident deer that's lived there all year and you know he's going to be there you know but we're usually up higher that time of year so we don't really have many of those resident deer on our radar so it's uh it's the most challenging hunt for me but it is some cool country to hunt and it's cool to see that migration you know see those deer walking out in single file lines but i would say the best way to do it is by glassing a lot of country and just covering a lot of country whether it's on foot or in your truck or behind the glass just cover as much country and see as many deer as you possibly can so you hopefully find the right one so I noticed that that hunt goes to the 31st, so you have a couple extra days compared to, like, the other hunts in the state. Um, do you feel like that, that helps and you might be able to see some rut activity, or is it still um, too early? Yeah, so that just recently changed. I think last year was the first year or second year they did that. I'm not entirely sure, but I definitely think it makes a big difference. Um, they just seem to be... I don't know, like, every once in a while you'll start, you'll see a buck chasing a doe or, or thinking about it, you know, at least with the doe. So you will start to see some, I wouldn't call it rut activity, but some pre-rut activity. The bucks are getting more aggressive and coming out and scraping trees and and just kind of getting closer to the does, you know. But for the most, and then also, I think a lot of these bucks, when they make that big migration, um, and they get here, and the and the pressure is crazy. People are buzzing around. I think they're pretty worn out, and I think a lot of them just kind of kind of lay low and recover from that forty mile trip they just made. You know. Yeah, that, that would kidding. make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so I personally feel that the end of the hunt is the best part of it. But every that's the thing there. You just you just never know what could happen on that hunt. You know. So it's just because it's so unpredictable and you can run into the biggest deer you've ever seen in your life around any corner at any moment. So, But a lot yeah. of people go home without the buck they want on that rifle. I have noticed that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been on that hunt a couple of times, and it, it can be difficult, like you can oh, yeah. you have to be at the right place at the right time. You can look at... 50 bucks a day and then the next day not even see a buck for sure yeah, yeah there's been plenty of days of days and i think a lot of people just see pontagot and see rifle and typically the rifle hunt's the best hunt on most units you know or the best for success but i think a lot of people get a little bit of a, a wake-up call unless they've hunted it before because like you said it can be it can be really hard and it can be amazing at times. It's just, it's the country down there is just a little harder to hunt for sure. It's more in the, the deer's favor for sure. Yeah. So let's just touch real quick, like what your thoughts are on the management hunts on that unit. Um, could you still kill a big buck on the management, or are you kind of like how have you seen those play out? Yeah, I mean. I guess it depends on your definition of big buck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
That's true. <laughs> but some of my favorite deer in the past have been just big old gnarly management bucks, you know, that are that what would usually be a a two oh five type buck but are just missing a, a big front fork or missing a back fork or something. So if that's considered a big buck, which I think for most people it is, you can definitely um kill a nice buck. I'd say a lot of the times if you kill like a a 185 3x4, which is a big 3x4, 185 to 190, you did, did pretty good. And there are those times when you get crazy deer out there that are three-point on one side and cheaters all over the place and you, you kill a 210 buck on it or something like that, you know. But for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, I think it's just mostly the, the big 3x4s getting killed and stuff like that, but there's the exception of the the crazy big giant. So I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't draw that tag thinking, oh yeah, I'm for sure gonna go kill me a, a 200 inch deer, you know, because probably, I mean, it could happen, but it doesn't happen nearly as often on that one. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, for the listeners, just the the management hunt on that unit, it just has to have three points on at least one side. Um, just so you know what we're talking about. Um, so you you guys and then your wife just kill giant bucks um, pretty regularly. Like It seems like every year there's a couple big bucks that you guys have put down. What do you guys, what do you feel like you're doing that kind of allows you to, to make that happen on a consistent basis? Oh, a few things, you know. We're kind of crazy about it, you know, made it a priority, whereas, because I'm, you know, obviously I guide full-time, so there's a lot of the times that I'll be guiding and we'll get done for the week and we'll just pick up and leave and drive clear through the night if we're hunting out of state or or whatever, and we just hunt for as many days as we possibly can. So any day off that I have are spent hunting, like from August 15th till sometimes January, it just depends, you know, but so that being said, you know, we kind of make it a priority and we spend a lot of time doing it and we've just gotten to the point to where we feel we're, we're pretty decent at it, at least picking spots that we feel like could produce big deer and things like that. And that being said, we still get our butts kicked on a regular basis trying new units, you know, like New Mexico, Nicole had a tag, and we hunted for five days and never saw a deer bigger than a three-point. So, um, but I'd say persistence and glassing a lot, a lot of glassing, um, and just kind of know overall knowing the way deer act and knowing what to do once you actually find a buck that you want to go after. You know, making that that stock count. Um, not blowing them out of the country and being pretty decent at actually getting them killed, which some people are really good at and some people aren't as good at it, you know. But for me, that's one of my my favorite things to do. And I I get the luxury of of practicing that a lot, you know, being a guide. It's my job to be like, if we find a big deer, figure out how to get them killed, you know. So I think 
boil it down, putting in the time, being consistent, persistent on glassing points where we know big deer are going to be, even if we have to sit there all day, even if we don't see a deer the day before, you know, just staying consistent and putting the time in behind the glass and covering country and hope. And obviously it takes a little luck too, but I'd say those are some of the main things that kind of help us with our success each year. Just keep going, I guess. So. Yeah. Well, you guys definitely proved that that (laughs) those, it works because you're constantly, like I said, every year, at least one of you killed big bucks and usually multiple. Usually um, Nicole. I, but. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I noticed, too, that you guys are doing is you're passing some really good bucks. I think a lot of people maybe wouldn't be able to pass. I think that, that definitely adds to your success because you can't kill the big bucks that you guys have been killing if you haven't passed the mediocre bucks. So. For sure. And there's times for me that that's still really, really hard for me to do. But it's paid off a few times to the point where I'm just like, just know that I have to do it, you know. Um, Nicole can pass them a little easier than I can, but that is hard. And, you know, for... There's nothing wrong with shooting those other bucks, but if you want, if you want that next level, you have to pass some really, really nice bucks sometimes. And sometimes you wonder if you've lost your mind or if you're going crazy or if it was worth it, you know. And sometimes it wasn't, it isn't worth it. I have bucks that I've, I've passed looking back, you know, be like, oh, he'd look good on the wall right here. It would've been nice to, to take him, but <laughs> it's a risky take, I guess, you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. What? What's your um? What's your outlook for uh this next hunting season? Have you guys drawn any tags, or how's it how's it looking? Yeah, it should it should be a lot of fun. Um, we both drew Wyoming antelope tags. And then Nicole actually won a guided mule deer hunt through uh, Hunter's Hub. Yeah, through Hunter's Hub. You know, they had a giveaway where you buy some merchandise or something and get put in the bucket. We didn't really think much of it. Bought a couple hats. and Sure enough, she won a uh, guided mule deer hunt in Wyoming with, on a really cool place. Um, so we're excited. No way. <laughs> Yeah, pretty crazy. And then um, one of us drew Arizona. I think it was me on a coos deer tag, most likely. And we both had Utah tags. And Nicole got a Colorado muzzleloader tag. So, yeah, we got got a lot of fun stuff coming up. So, and a few other things that aren't for sure yet, but. It should be an action, action-packed year for sure. Yeah, last year, you, were, you didn't have any deer tags, did you? No, nope, I just year? ended up with that. Yeah, I so. haven't hunted. I haven't hunted Utah personally for two years now. I finally got a tag. But then you killed that big buck in Texas on your YouTube. Yeah, so I ended up getting that Texas tag, which in Texas. You can just buy over the counter. 
but it's all private land, so you have to have a, a connection or something, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a cool video, too. That was a big deer. Yeah. I didn't know they had some deer in Texas. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's some different country, you know. So, we got down there. I was like, there's no way there's deer in this stuff. It's just yellow grass and little mesquite trees. But sure enough, there's deer all over it. <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah, you guys did a YouTube video on that hunt, so the listeners should go check that out. That was a cool yeah, video. that was a lot of fun. So just, yeah, just to um. Finish off. I just wanted to ask a couple questions that people had from Instagram. Okay. Um, the first one is: uh, so, do big bucks stay in the same general area even with opening weakened pressure? I guess that would probably depend on the buck. I'm I'm guessing, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Obviously, depends on the buck. Um, I think they will stay in the same general area, whether or not they come out into the open where you can see them in the daylight is a different thing. I still think they're there, but some of them are just, some of them are uh, a little more forgiving to the pressure to where they'll kind of just forget about it and go about their regular habits and come out into the open well before dark, you know, anyways on opening weekend, as where others it may take them sometimes a week or more, like that buck I hunted, you know, I mean, Nicole hunted, sometimes it takes them over a week to to show themselves again. So it just depends on the buck, but I, I think they're still there. Most likely, if you're not seeing them, they're still coming out, but it, they're just feeding in the middle of the night, just gone nocturnal on you for a little bit until they feel it's safer to come back out in the daylight. And They may have a nice little pocket somewhere in the thick timber that they can still get up and feed in during the day and not necessarily put themselves at risk because, you know, the deer love having that cover. They just act like different animals when they're in there. They just know that they're they're pretty safe and that kind of stuff. So I'd say for the most part, yes, the deer is still in the same general area. Just a matter of if he makes a mistake. Okay, that's a good that's a good answer there. So the next question is um how many sits will you give a basin mornings and evenings before moving on? We typically like to, and it depends on how many deer we see. You know, if we know the deer are in there and we're just not not seeing them, we'll give it a little bit longer. But we typically like to give a spot at least two days, a lot of the times two and a half days. And sometimes that's too much. Like if you know there's other areas nearby that also hold big bucks sometimes we'll give it as little as a day and a half but i'd say we always at least give it a day and a half a solid three sits you know to where morning evening morning or vice versa um but yeah i'd say at least a day and a half before you and sometimes more i mean it just uh just depends on how patient you are because sometimes you'll sit there all week and they'll never come back and may they may have moved at that point but sorry i'm answering this one so long but at least no that's good no that's good yeah yeah usually two to three days but at least a day and a half 
So this next question is, um, when do you start scouting for a August archery hunt? Um, we've, we've, in the past, we've started a few times in the past. We started in the middle of June, and we just realized, like, man, we're just running ourselves ragged here. Can't tell what the deer are. You can tell that they're mature, but that's about it. And, and then at that point, you're almost burned out by the time opening day shows up, right? So now we've kind of toned it back just a little bit, and we're just mm -hmm. now starting yeah, to get out there. We usually wait till July 1st, first week of July, okay. somewhere in there. And elk are a little bit different because they're a lot more developed at this point already. So if you're looking for elk, it doesn't hurt to go a little, a little earlier, but these deer are just you know, in June, they're just not much. Now they're they're finally starting to take shape a little bit, so we'll start looking. So when do you kind of get, um, like, start getting excited about a deer? Like, have you, so, like, if you get a picture, like, now, like, early July, and he looks decent, like, have you seen deer look average in early July and then just blow up? And oh, for maybe. sure. Yeah, like we found we found that big buck that Nicole killed on the archery hunt a few years ago. On um, I think it was July 18th, and we're like, oh yeah, that's a big deer. He'll be 190s for sure, you know. And then we just kept seeing him, and he was bigger and bigger and bigger each time. And then you know, he ended up being over 220. So. <laughs> Um, we thought he was going to be average or slightly, we thought he was going to be big and he ended up being giant. So, and that's happened multiple times, you know, and some deer, for whatever reason, they take a little bit to get going and they just kind of look like every other buck at that point. And then it's like a switch flips or something. And then they just start packing on the inches and they kind of surprise you, you know, and it can be the opposite too. You know, you can have one that you think is going to be great big and they just, kind of end up just average, you know. Average. Yeah, I get more excited, um, not necessarily about thinking the buck's going to be a giant, but if we can see him consistently, you know. If yeah. he's big and we can see him consistently, because we've, we've been hunting a buck now for, I don't know, four. Yeah, this will be year four, and we've only – laid eyes on him a couple times, so I don't get nearly as excited about him because I feel like he's impossible <laughs> to kill, you know? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but I get excited just, excited just enough to keep hunting him, you know? But... <laughs> Gee, <laughs> that, that's difficult. Yeah. So yeah. Before, before we end, is there... Any, I don't know, like last tips, scouting advice or anything that you want to end on? Um, yeah, just, I mean, the thing that's helped us the most is just to be persistent and, you know, glass as much country as possible. Just get to know the deer. If you hunt an area consistently, it can help you a lot just because you get to know what deer do in certain situations. And you kind of, you know, each little herd is different 
depending on where they live, you know, that can help tremendously. The better you know an area, even if you go, you know, just that's the biggest thing is learning an area, learning deer and glassing a lot. But I used to struggle a lot with um, hunting public land and just kind of letting the overall amount of people get to me, you know. But these days, yeah. it doesn't bother me anymore. I mean, I have days where it bothers me, but you just got to realize that everybody's out there doing the same thing on public land. And and if you put in the time, you can still be successful. It's just going to be a little harder, but it's still possible for sure. So just trying to stay in yeah. the game mentally, you know. But Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think that's great advice. I think um, you guys have definitely proved it to be true with just sticking it out. You guys are always always out there, always trying to kill big deer. You do it on public land, general season units all the time, just killing big deer. So I think the listeners really should listen in, listen to this podcast and take take into account what you're saying. I think if, if they do, they definitely will have a better chance of taking a, taking a mature deer for sure. Yeah, I think so. And it just so. takes, you know, it just takes years of doing it and just, keeping after it and like I said we get our butts kicked plenty of times so if you get your butt kicked on a hunt just don't let it get you down just move on to the next and keep trying you know 